Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Look, we are in the absolute ides of the interlow, and so I know that leaves you wondering what we're going to talk about. But even if we can't come up with anything, there's always the Manscaped promo. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Alex Smith, Black Man on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. So, uh, look, a few things to bear in mind. Firstly, I am uh, with family in Florida. It is what we call spring break here, uh, where the kids don't have school, and you cannot be at home with the kids when they don't have school. Obviously, like... No way, not happening. So you take them to see uh, Nan and Papa down in Florida. They float around in the pool. You put floaties on them so they don't drop to the bottom. And then you drink cocktails all day and, you know, hope that their sunscreen lasts. So that's what we're in the midst of. But the wonderful, fun, would you rather episode we did last week uh, was marred by the fact that my travel mic was not uh, being picked up. So I apologize for that. I think I have it corrected now. Clive is in my mentions saying I'm a tiny bit loud when I should reference that when we did the mic check <clears throat> earlier, he said, you're a tiny bit quiet, mate. So I blame Clive, which is always, you know, a fair, fair strategy. So yes, today we have uh, uh, lots of fun stuff to talk about, but even if you don't find that fun, there's always the Manscaped promo. Next podcast, we hit what I think is the most anticipated episode of the year. It's the one where we say win, draw, draw, loss, win for about 45 minutes. It's the Predictatron. Now, I do want to let the patrons listening know, reminder, your last few moments to be able to enter uh, the Predictatron uh, prize competition that we have running is this week. So you can get in there, you can fill out the form, and um, we'll come up with a prize for whoever wins, but you can participate, and we're going to publish all the results for everybody so you can see you know, um, uh, what most people predicted. But we'll go through our predictions uh, as the uh, as the next episode rolls out. But in the meantime, let me introduce the people who are actually here to talk about Arsenal Football Club. One of them is Clive. You can find him on Twitter at Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. And Paul, you can find him on Twitter at Pause My Pants. Hello, Pause. Woohoo! Listen, next Monday, not this one, but the following one, we have what I think will be our most important episode of the year coming out. So please, please don't miss it. It will come out before the Palace game. We will then have another full episode um, uh, for the Palace post-match on Tuesday. So you're getting lots of hashtag content. Here we go. Clive, um, Lauren Koscielny has officially retired. I think he was sort of retiring, and then maybe he wasn't, but he was officially retired. And I think this, this sparked something interesting in my mind because I, I posted you know, on Twitter just that I was curious if the club would do anything for his retirement. And when I mean do anything, to be clear, I mean like, you know, a tweet. I don't mean a statue or anything like that, but just do something to mark it. And some people are like, oh, he's a snake. Get out of here. You know, terrible guy. Look at the way he left us. Fair enough. Uh, some people were like, oh, I loved him. But it made me think about this this scenario. You know, endings are rarely good for players and clubs. You know, it, it's rare that that players leave with everyone patting them on the back on the way out. And usually if they are doing that, it means it's because they're not any good anymore and we've long since been ready for them to go. Um, 
we're in a situation where I think this is a very relevant thing. So I want to start by talking about Koscielny, his retirement, how you think of him as a player, and how you try to draw a distinction between what the player did as a servant for the club versus the way their time ended. Yeah, I love the player. And let's be honest, there's a period, a long period in our recent past where a team without him was a team we all worried about, right? Because he has been our best central defender for a, a long time, in my opinion. And um, started off a little bit rash, but grew into the role. And one of our <laughs> centre-backs that we, we crushed and ruined <laughs> by leaving them fully exposed in midfield, which we don't do so much anymore. But yeah, I, I, I really did rate the player. But how it um, ended was a little bit sad, really, considering the the service he gave and the strong service and commitment that he gave. Many of those top four battles, we wouldn't have got there without him, you know. And um, so, yeah, it's a real shame that he ended up potentially going on strike towards the end and falling out of people to force a move. And it's very difficult, right, because as fans, we're on the outside and we we pick up, you know, the newspaper or various other forums and, and we draw our opinions based on what we get leaked and get told. And we don't know what's been told and promised to the player. And it always drives tribal behavior, really. Oh, he was wrong or he was right. I bet he was promised this, this happened. And it just sort of, it, it's one of the things that divide fan groups and divide us as fans and sort of thing that I really, really don't like. Um, because that's what, you know, supporting Arsenal is not about that for me, not about division. It's about how can we find a common ground. And how can we sustain unity and serenity? All those things you hear me say all the time. I want to see a player leave in that way and, and we have to get angry to protect our emotions. I think it's really sad that the best part of their career is forgotten. And he's not the only one, is he, Elliot? We spoke briefly beforehand, but, you know, there's Alexis, there's even even Aubameyang recently, you know, and Reza Ozil, how he left. And people really do have affinity to these players and... They really care and they look at the club through those players' eyes, particularly the bigger stars. And so it does affect us how we believe, how we behave and how we support the club and how we even judge our manager and how and what good job he's doing. So a small topic, but actually it's a very big one, you know, because I think it does really affect um, how we perceive the club. Mm, yeah. What about you, Paul? I mean, I... Yeah. I guess I, I'm uh, war-tested, battle-tested, and probably a bad analogy for the, these moments, but um, with this stuff because I adored Cesc Fabregas and I found myself able to look past the, the manner of his departure and even, to some extent, him going to Chelsea in part because I allowed myself to believe that that was our choice more than his choice in some ways by not resigning him. I, I, kept, I was able to hold him close. Um, you know, I, I find myself able to think of Alexis as a brilliant player that we... Uh, we're lucky to have at the club, despite the way that ended. Um, I find myself able, I think, to appreciate Aubameyang. It's so weird because it's largely a forgettable era, but he did really play his way to winning us an FA Cup. I find myself much less comfortable feeling good about Ozil's time at the club, Robin Van Persie's time at the club. Those two departures, I think, sting a little bit more. The Koscielny one didn't hurt me as much because, look, the regime, the Raul Emery regime, was not one that I had a lot of affection for. The guy missed a World Cup, as was said, and like, playing through an injury for Arsenal. He played for us for a long time and I think was one of the better center backs in the league. The thing that really surprised me when I, you know, put my little tweet out there as I do sometimes is not the number of people that were still mad at him because everyone reacts differently to, to being spurned in that way, but the number of people that didn't rate him. And that really surprised 
Um, I don't look. He had a rocky early period with some errors and some high profile errors. Certainly, I don't know how you could not rate him. And some high profile players have said he was one of the best center backs they played against in the league. So, c- certainly in terms of how you think about the affection for a player being distinct from the way they leave, but also just the way you rate the player. If we separate those two things, I think the latter can't really be in dispute. Yeah. Uh, I loved and love Laurent Koscielny. I think he's fucking great. Um, We're dealing with people, people like you and I. Um, You can be a really, really good guy and it can kind of end a bit ugly with the club. Um, He doesn't have a lot of experience working his way out of a club, playing the politics. In fact, he's probably one of the least political players we ever had. I mean, to to hear him talk or how he carries himself, he's got none of the kind of uh, clever machinations to plan his way out of a situation. But he clearly felt it was time for him to go. He clearly felt he had an agreement and an understanding that the club was kind of then moving the goalposts a bit on him. Um, he was probably, be, he like, it was after the World Cup thing. He's basically a guy in his 20s who's maybe 30, 31 at that point. But, like, when I look back on being twi- in my 20s, there's so much I didn't have, didn't know, didn't know how to carry myself. And these are guys are very experienced and have been through the mill and stuff, but only in certain aspects. Like, he matured at Arsenal from basically being a kid to being what Rio Ferdinand described as the best Premier League uh, centre-back in the league. That was probably around 2015-16. He was a worldie on his day. In fact, not even on his day, in his season, when he'd really got it together, when he'd really got his game, he was absolutely... Uh, one of the best uh, center backs in the world. And uh, he was the other thing I'd put with that is anytime he played for us, uh, any season he was here for us, he gave everything and more. Um, and so I've got no qualms about saying I loved him. Th- things end messy uh, because sometimes that's the only way they can end. We've had Freddie Lungberg leave the club, Perez, uh, Vieira, um, and like breakups are a little ugly. Um, one side or the other is not going to be happy. And but but that's how it is, and you gotta get over that shit, or you're not gonna end up having a relationship with anybody unless mm. You know, something steps in. <laughs> like Santi Cazorla, we all have a great relationship with now. Um, well, what's really interested me with Cazorla, and I think you see it with Koscielny too, is they're surprised about the supporter relationship. And like Cazorla's surprised that he's so loved. Like they don't get it. They don't. I don't mean that in a negative way or in a, we always love them more. We always, it's just a different experience. We're not in the same universe as these guys. Our relationship to the players in the club, their relationship is to their teammates and to their manager and at the weekends at a game to the player with, with the fans, et cetera. But it's this kind of 
disjoint. We're always connected to the players in the team because that's all we think about. They're not. They're, they have this bubble they're in and the relationship with the fans is uh, kind of incidental from time to time, really intense at times, and then nothing. You'd hear nothing. You don't, you're not aware of the fans. Maybe you've been traveling for two weeks between away games. Like this relationship we have with them is different to what they have with us. And we just can't understand our situation, their situation. They can't understand ours. They never will. Santi Cazorla was surprised at how many people had this connection to him. And in other words, in other ways, like Shelney did this unveiling ceremony with the jersey at his club, and he said something different but similar. He was surprised. He, he kind of apologized. He, well, he did apologize for it, that it was insensitive, but it was clear he didn't get how fans feel about these things. Not that fans didn't care. He just doesn't see things the same way we do. So yeah. there's this breakup. <clears throat> It, we weren't all there. He's the most honest, sincere player probably who's played with us right up there with Cazorla. It was a bit ugly. I'm totally fine with it. Uh, uh, even a Ozil, I'll compartmentalize in a totally different way. I'll enjoy the seasons where we were all on the same page. When you're not on the same page, it gets ugly and, you know, personality quirks come into it. You know, Ozil is a special character. If he's not fully engaged, I think... His is not a sliding scale. Uh, When he's not engaged, he's really not engaged. And you see other aspects, dimensions to his personality. That's how I feel about it. Each player is different. Our relationships with those players are different to their relationships with us. I love them. Yeah. And it's funny how, in some instances, Clive, like, as sad as it is, it really comes down to how well you play the PR game, (laughs) how good your PR team is, how much you get it. Because, like, if you look at Aubameyang, he probably must have done some pretty bad stuff to not only be, you know, let go in the manner that he was and for us to push him out to Barcelona for nothing, but also for none of his teammates to particularly care about it. But like he said all the right things, right? He's he's been very careful. Oh, you know, I'll always be thankful for my time there, yada yada. Like Lauren Koscielny was a model citizen who lost a World Cup because he played through injury for Arsenal, but he put out a really, really dumb welcome video right to to marseille where he pulled the shirt off put his shirt on whatever was under it like that didn't go down well you look at mesadozo a great example like in fact nacho monreal has been talking about him just recently there's some inter- interview that just came out floating on social media today talking about how he fell out with wenger it ended badly he wasn't playing for wenger at the end emery brought him in and tried to um, make him our leader but that didn't work and we know what happened with arteta but ozo again ozo was pretty savvy on the social media side of things until he did the trust the project uh, trust the process, sad face emoji on Twitter that's come back to bite him a little bit. But like, you know, is is it unfortunately as cynical as it sounds, Clive, a case that like we are, we are, you know, able to fall victim to that because I think Robin Van Persie is a great example of someone who read the room wrong, put out that letter about the little boy inside him thinking that the fans would side with him over the club and like fans ain't going to side with the player over the club. I'm sorry, that ain't how this works. So like, do you think unfortunately you kind of have to forget all this stuff because it's how they played. It's what they gave. It's what they won or what they did on the pitch. The rest of it is sort of PR and we need to be able to keep that in, in focus. Yeah, exactly that. Um, because I'm not sure what to believe. I just believe what I see and that's the football. 
right? And I can, and I judge the football and I judge the footballers and how they behave towards each other and how they transmit themselves to the crowd and what their relationship is to the manager. I can see that. I can judge that. I can read about that and I, and that, that can't be missed, right? You can read between the lines and things like that. That can't be missed. So I, I tend to focus on that, you know. There's a, I was, funny enough, I was going through some of my comps last night <laughs> that I love to watch in these weeks just to study players. And there's a wonderful comp out there in Van Persie. And I watched it and I nearly tweeted out what a player he is, right? And but I'm thinking, you know what? A lot of Why people didn't don't, you? Well, because a lot of people don't think they can't remember the player. And I look at this player and I've seen but, but him play. But can I play. stop you? If if Scott can tweet out a combined Spurs Arsenal 11 and literally destroy <laughs> mentions yeah. for four days, <laughs> why can't you do something like yeah, that? Well, oh, <laughs> underscore that, underscore Judas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, 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 a, it's a choice, right? It's actually it's an old Phil Costa tweet that I, I saw. in my I bookmarked it and I just watched a combo and, and Phil actually said, Phil yeah, Collins. Phil Costa, right? Phil okay. Costa tweet, right? So, okay. and it, it, was a, it, was a, it was a great comp. And I looked at it and I thought, oh, I was good to tweet. And I looked at Phil's tweet. I thought Phil's really said it, what a great player he was. And so I didn't do it. But part of me, there's a little part of me thinking, well, I know what? I'm happy that he's a great player. I saw that player play. I actually saw that player at training. I've seen him close up and he is incredible. And his technique is beyond reproach. And I've seen it and I've watched it and I'm happy with those memories and I'm gonna keep them to myself. Do you know what I mean? And that's how I and that's how I view it. And I wish he was in our team right now because can you think of a better centre forward for the system we play today than a prime Robin Van Percy? Because I can't think of one. You know, can we not all say things like look for the top level quality players, you're going to have to take some guys who are a bit of a dick, a bit of a this, a bit. We're all fine with that end of it, but we lose our shit when, like, guess what? They leave the club. And, uh, like, can I can I totally, I just want to say, yeah. I can totally compartmentalize Robin Van Persie and enjoy all of the good seasons. Sorry. If there had been Twitter and, and social media was bigger when Patrick Vieira played, do you think there'd be some tarnish on his legacy due to the the pretty open and public desire to leave every summer, Clive? Do you think? Do you yeah. Think well, well, again, it comes back to there was a de- there were desires for other teams to buy him, and that was consistent through his time. There was a story when Abramovich came in; he offered fifty million from Rio and fifty million for Vieira, and the Arsenal hierarchy said, "Why don't you just buy the club?" The club was only worth about 120 million at the time. And he was told, well, actually, we were told it wasn't available. I mean, when you're that good, when you're part of a team that won the Euros twice and the World Cup, people are going to come in for your players. And the way it's sold to us is to destabilize us and say that he wants to do this, he wants to go. And, that, and that's what I don't like. I don't like how we get destabilized as a club. It's coming. They're already waiting for Saka. Fortunately, the, the, the rumors are that. Um, you know, he wants to stay, but come on, mate. We we know how this works. We know how this media works. If we're if we're going for a player, Arsenal and Tottenham fighting for this player, they want to get us to be angry and they want to get us on our toes. And I and again I refuse to believe it. Trust me, I lost many a summer holiday abroad running out to get the paper to see if Vieira was still at the club. And it ruined many of them for me, right? And I hated it at the time because I was sucked in by it. Now I just think, you know what? I ain't going to get sucked in by it. I'd rather get sucked in by who we could buy and have fun with that 
hypothetically well, rather than who we could lose because you know what we've got to do our business and in the end it's politics agents and people are the ones that, um, are there to destabilize us and get their money i'm afraid well then so you brought up saka so i'm going to shuffle around the the running order here and discuss him for a second and by the way like if you have come here for will smith chris rock slap content like I just don't have anything to add when life gets surreal. Sometimes like don't try to best it. There are a lot of people trying to be like, what the slap could be? What's, what's the equivalent sl- top five slaps in British football? Like, no, we're not doing it. No, I'm not doing it. I can't engage in it. I got nothing to add to it. Life There's is a surreal sometimes. There's a tweet on that that I think is usable in many situations. I have just caught up on the happenings and I have no take to add. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's it. I, there's, there's nothing to add. When, when life gives you surreal... Don't try to make surreal lemonade. Just, just when you have surreal lemons, just enjoy them. That's what Salvador Dali said, I think. Um, okay. Anyway, Paul. So, so another thing that was floating around a little bit is obviously we're going to have to give some pay rises out to some very special young players, and one of them is Bukayo Saka, and he is arguably the priority. And when I had, I'd sort of seen the number one hundred and twenty-five thousand a week floating around. I think that's low, personally. I don't think that gets it done, or not for the length of time we'd want. I think you want to try to get a five-year deal out of him. It's going to be hard, but it's what you're going to want to do. Some people are like, you can't give a 20-year-old 125 grand a week. And some people, I think, were maybe more correctly saying that wouldn't even get the deal done. But I do think it is an interesting question because we know that big contracts become precedent. They destabilize. Have you had any sort of sharper thoughts on what we do about SACA? Yeah. Because I think the priority is more years. But when you go to more years, you pay a premium to get them to sign it, right? So could you get three years at 125? I think you could. Could you get five? I don't know that you can. How, how do you see that shaking out? Or what, what would you like to see happen there? So I don't really uh, – I'm not overly worried about the number, but I'm happy to play along with this 125K number. Um, I think it's interestingly – in a spot where you could argue in either direction. Uh, I get, like, you don't want to dis- destabilize the squad. Um, like, there are and will be other young players around him. Like, it has an impact. And so there's kind of a dynamic tension between that and protecting your assets so that he's not looking elsewhere. Almost immediately, you've done a contract. You kind of screw him into 125K. He takes it begrudgingly he's got a chip on his shoulder and he's you know ashley cole style already looking for a better move because he's been disrespected what that all tells you is it all comes down to relationship um uh, here's what i think about the bukayo saka thing i wouldn't worry about it in the slightest and i don't even mean um oh he might leave the club he's not fucking leaving the club he is absolutely no interest desire to leave the club he has an agent the agent will want to make sure he's taken care of and that he's taken care of but that saka is taken care of it'll all happen it'll all be fine it'll take a while because the short of being a dickhead about it the only thing saka has as leverage in some sense well, he has a couple of things as leverage. He can drag his feet through his agent to get the deal done, even though it's somewhat inevitable. The club wants this wrapped up and behind them. So there's a bit of a, a tug of war, war on that, which is healthy and good. And the other leverage he has is he may sign 
but he could have a chip on his shoulder if we try and screw him over and and it will be remembered. So that's leverage too. So even though I believe regardless, this will get done unless we're complete tools and we won't be. They're just going to work mm. it out. The club, him, he's grateful. He appreciates what he, he's got. The club wants to give him enough that he feels good, respected, uh, valued. And both sides want to see growth room, right? Like they want to be, they're probably going to say to him, look, we're going to give you 125K now and we're not going to wait till the end of the contract, the four or the five years. Like I agree with you, the longer the better. But if I'm him and his agent, the shorter the better. So we'll of find- course. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. If you back yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So- Because you can look at Wilfred Zaha as an example of like a long contract being- a bad deal for your career if it doesn't go the way you expected. <laughs> yeah. If you look at you can look at Harry Kane actually as a long contract. Yeah. Jesus I'd rather not look at Harry Kane if I could well, but this, is, this is it. You see, you mustn't look at a contract just a contract length and the wages. You look at a contract and say, this is a contract we're going to give you. We're going to secure you for four plus one, for example. But on year three, we're sitting down again if your performance numbers reach this, 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 this. Yes. That's how it works. Exactly. And, and that's uh, the relationship part, right? Yeah, exactly. If it doesn't work, yeah. it doesn't work out. And by the way, if we if it doesn't work out and we, we don't say what we're going to do as a club and we don't stay in the Champions League, what's going to happen is if another Champions League comes in and offers £100 million for you, you can go. That's what Harry Kane should have had in his contract because none of this he wouldn't be playing golf for Gary Neville trying to get himself out of Tottenham last summer right so that's what we need to do so a contract is one thing and I think 125 is perfect given what the other players are on and given what he's contributed and I think that sits in it sits just above say a Kieran Tierney for example um, and I think that's absolutely perfect for him and what he represents and then obviously if he if he goes supernova yeah, we'll be back there again because we have to because Real Madrid, Barcelona and everybody else will be knocking the door. If we don't, we're stupid. Do you know what I mean? So that's mm. how it works. It makes sense. Yeah, I think the Raheem Sterling situation at Liverpool is, you know, the one to keep an eye on, right? Not, and it's always lazy to just say young player, talented at a big club, but not the club with the most money, getting plucked away by the club with the most money. Um you know, so it's. Sure. I, I get that it's sort of a lazy comparison. Paul, you, you, have a you can on it? feel all the differences in the relationships, though. Like, I, I know we're talking contracts and money and blah blah blah, but it's all like it's very tangibly relationships. Now, those things can change. The manager might be gone in two years' time. For can I ask you a question reasons. about that? No, I, yeah. I do. I do want to just because I do think that there's a, a real world practical point that has to be made when you say it's all about relationships. Would you at least concede that? There's some amount of money difference where maybe it stops being about relationships, right? Like, sure. like I can understand saying, you know what? Could I push for 150 here, but they're giving me 125. I'd rather stay at the club that raised me. But if it's like, hey, this club wants to give me 225 a week, you know, and this club wants to give me 120, I do think there is, you have to live in the real world a little. And I think there oh, are amounts of money that can become, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but as players get older, it becomes, there's a difference when you're Saka at 21, when you have all the optionalities in the future, there will be more and bigger contracts. Like, you don't have to go full on, it's only about the money right now. He knows, actually, his career is a lot more about uh, how well, you know, his perception, his relationships, uh, being at the right club, in the right situation, his, in like, everything's on the up for him. It's not all about money. Saka cares more about how his 
career will progress in a broader sense than just the raw tax. But when he's 28, 29, uh, you know, if you're Solomon Kalou looking for that transfer every summer, if you're Cedric Suarez, totally different. Fuck relationship. It's all about getting paid. And and depending yeah. on the cost, the 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 uh, the player and where he's at in his career and what his what the possibilities are for him, it's different. For Saka, it's all about where he is, where he's going, and getting paid. And like, look. So let's take the Harry Kane situation. He thought he had a relationship with Daniel Lev- Levy that he didn't have. He th- he thought he had all those understandings, but he didn't. Arsenal's a little different. We're not Daniel Levy. Now, there was a time when we could have been a bit like that. But right now, you know, who, who's around him? It's a very stable environment. There's, you got your Per Mertesackers, you got your Mikel Artetas. Now, things can change. Aubameyang might have a different take on this. But if you're Saka, uh, who spent his whole life at the club, relationship, trust, development, being in the right place with the right people – and getting seriously paid and having a commitment from the club, as Clive said, that in a couple of years' time, you know, we want a little space to improve improve our op, uh, our our uh, contract with him. So you don't, you know, and even the club, even the player can appreciate that, that leaving little space can be a good thing so that you can add that on, you know. There's just a sense that well, more look, will come. There's another point too. Yeah. I... I because this is what I think. This is where I think the week it is. Let's face it; it is silly that we still report or not report, just discuss footballer wages and weekly wages. Like it's silly. It's anachronistic. It makes no sense. At one hundred and twenty-five grand a week, you're making roughly six and a half million a year. That's a good wage for a footballer. It is not elite top performer wage. If someone comes in and says, "I'll give you two twenty-five," that's eleven point seven million a year. It is a difference of five point two million pounds per year. If it's a three-year contract, it's more than 16, or it's around 16 million pounds. So like, when we think about it that way, and and again, I I don't want to, that gets off track a little bit. The thing that I think also is in Saka's benefit, though, he's at a place at Arsenal right now where he is the crown jewel that we are building around. You know, you go to a city, and suddenly one of their other big expensive guys gets hot, and you're out of the team for, you know, a few months, and maybe out of the England team. So... He's in the he's right place for his career. Grealish, but, yes. Right. And yeah. and like he can look across at that. And it's not a directly the same, but he can like all the glitters is not gold. Like he's having a much better time than Grealish is this season. Yeah. Clive, you you want that? Yeah, I just wanted to say it <laughs> probably summarize things up nicely. Is, um, there's a saying in life, not just footballers' life, um, chase good management and the money will come. Right. So that's key really. Make sure you have the right management in your life. When it, for all of us, there are four or five people that control the money coming into our pockets. Make sure they're the right people, right? And um, it's the same for a footballer. Chase good management, and the money will come. Especially uh, early in your career, right? Yeah, almost any time in your career, right? There is a time when there's a money accumulation part of your career, maybe when you're a little bit older. But you need good management. You need good people around you, and you go from there. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting though. You look at like. You not to invoke these things for Bukayo Saka, but you look what happens to Abu Dhabi or Jack Wilshire or you know Eduardo. And here's the crazy thing: I, I was I was thinking about this. I was discussing with someone on Twitter, and like, why does he need all that money now? He's got ten more contracts in his career. And I was like, I was like, no, like this is the thing that people I think sometimes lose sight of. Bukayo Saka will probably get three more 
top contracts in his career. Three. I mean, you know, he may get one at 32 somewhere to play at, you know, a, a lower table. T- who, who knows? Depends how good he is and his health and all that. But, like, probably three. And, yeah. you know, when you look at it that way, Clive, yep. Yeah. I was going to say, actually, because I was thinking about this the other day on one of my dog walks. <laughs> we talking early. I think about Aaron Ramsey. And when Aaron Ramsey was young, obviously, he was about to literally go explode. And, I mean, I don't know where he could have gone. And a lot of people think he was a great player, but let me tell you something, if he didn't break his leg, I think he could have been better, way better. And I never sort of, um, he obviously broke his leg at a time in his career where it was really, really bad timing. And I don't, even though I had issues with certain parts of his game towards the end of his career, I never begrudged the fact that he'd made a choice to go and earn money. Because he'd literally had probably that period in his life where he thought, am I going to be able to play this game again? I'd look after myself, my family, and my family's family. And I, I didn't begrudge him, even though I wanted him to sign contracts, etc. Because they only have a short career. I call it like dog years almost. right? And I'm watching him jog around for Rangers at the moment, but suddenly run around for Wales, much like Gareth Bale's doing in the other way as well for Madrid. And I sort of like, I don't like some aspects, but I think, you know what? You're looking out for yourself. As long as people understand that and not stupid enough to to, to, to want them back, et cetera, then that's, that's life, right? It's just part of the game. It's part of the business. Mm, yeah. I think that's enough of that. But like, if you're wondering why, why I even discuss this, like, I think this summer, this is, this is one of the things that has to get done. Um, and assuming it gets done, everyone will feel very calm. If it doesn't get done this summer, then I think there's going to be a lot of concern. And let's face it, right? One of the weird things about the World Cup not being this summer, there's a benefit and a drawback that I think is interesting. The drawback is the World Cup's not in the summer, it's in the winter, and it disrupts the calendar, and it's a complete disaster. But the benefit is you don't have these players who might have been one price or might have been easy to keep or whatever and go score one worldie in a World Cup, you know, and suddenly like... Everybody wants them and their price quadruples or their their wage demands go. You know, you do something in the World Cup and it can have a really big impact, obviously, on um, you know, on, on how you're viewed and what you cost and who comes after you. So it, maybe that'll have an impact in the January window. We'll see, but it, you know, it's it's not gonna have the impact this summer. And it also allows clubs a little more equanimity to get um to get deals done. And let's hope that happens for us. So um, you know, while we're talking about what things are worth, I think it is a perfect time to talk about <clears throat> the value of a freshly shorn uh, below the waist area. And I, I think that value is priceless. Is it worth more than Bukayo Saka? I mean, I can't say. That's going to vary by person. But what I can tell you is that you need to get the performance package 4.0 for Manscaped. You need to do it right now. I mean, right now. They're, literally, if you don't do it right now, like t- then you won't have perfectly shaved privates and that that's just something you have to live with. You're going you're to be sitting there. You're going to be going, what have I done? So look, you go to manscaped.com, you use promo code Arsenal Vision, you get 20% off and free worldwide shipping. And what do you get with the performance package 4.0? You get all the good stuff. You get the deodorant, you get the toner, you get the shed bag, you get the boxer briefs, you get the weed whacker, and you get the world-class lawnmower 4.0 with the ceramic blades, the skin-safe technology, the long battery life, the fact that you can use it wet or dry, the button lock, the induction charger. And oh, by the way, the weed whacker has the skin-safe technology too. Because, you know, you stick something in your nose with blades in it, you stick something down your privates with blades in it. Both of those are delicate areas in your ears, and you want to be taken care of, and they're going to take care of you. Look, it is the best product I've used for this. I recommend you get it now. I, I don't even know how you could continue to feel 
like you're doing your part if you don't. So go to manscaped.com, promo code ArsenalVision, 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Do it now. A couple other things I got to tell you about. One of them is, indeed, look, we just talked about the value of talent. What do you pay for good talent? But thankfully, we already have Bukayo Saka. We, we need to find the next one at Striker. But what do you pay to find good talent? Well, with Indeed, you only pay for the applications that meet your must-have requirements. That's right. Indeed is the place to find the best talent. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. They're the hiring partner where you attract, interview, and hire all in one place. The only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements, or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites, which is also money. Did you know that time equals money? I've heard that. Uh, You can use one powerful hiring partner to help you do it all. With Indeed Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for the quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. I keep saying it because it's so important. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit. To upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through April 30th now. Go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire to claim your $75 job credit before April 30th. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. You need to hire you need Indeed. Now, I got a new company to tell you about. And... I, you know, I think personally that I try to have fun with sponsorships and then you you come up with a company that actually does something worthwhile and I have to change the tone. So please bear with me because this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? You or someone you love falling into depression or struggling with anxiety can keep you from what you care about. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed therapist You'll be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours, and it's not a crisis line or self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many cases, and the service is available for clients worldwide. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, so you don't have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room looking around. I have done the therapy thing. It is one of the best things I've ever done. The, The work you do on yourself emotionally, psychologically, is every bit as important as the stuff we do physically. You know, if you exercise, you think about eating right, obviously very important. But so many people still are reluctant to think about working on themselves psychologically. And um, even though it may not show outwardly that I've worked on myself psychologically, uh, inwardly it has made a big difference and and, and I can't recommend it enough. Um, BetterHelp will uh, committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists if you need to. And it's more affordable than traditional offline therapy. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. You can visit betterhelp.com code vision. That's betterhelp.com slash vision. Better H-E-L-P.com slash vision to join over 2 million people who've taken charge of their mental health. Special offer for Arsenal Vision listeners. When you go there now, you get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash vision. Do it now. Clive, uh, not going to ask for the pithy, funny, silly outro here, but just say, is that enough of that? It certainly is indeed. 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 Okay. Uh, So let's go ahead and talk about a young player who we have positive things to say about. We're not talking about their money or about them leaving. We're just talking about that impre- them impressing in Clive. Uh, the video is going around of young Gabriel Martinelli dominating Brazilian training. He got his uh, Brazil debut. Obviously, uh, because he is my boy, I am so super proud of him. I'm wondering if you're feeling as proud of him and how you feel just about the trajectory of this player. This is a guy who had a knee injury that's pretty serious. We didn't get to see as much of him as we may have wanted last season. I think largely because of that. Easy to forget, you know, the way he b- burst onto the scene the season before that, at, you know, whatever that was, 
18 years old, 17 years old, like 18 years old, I guess. The, the goal against Chelsea. And now he's really cemented himself as an important first-team player. I would say a starter, but you know, depending on the Smith Rowe, Martinelli thing, certainly right there as a starter. But his his stonks are definitely rising. This is a player who I think has a really special future. I'm curious how you feel sort of seeing him with the Brazil national team, uh, just in terms of where where this player is headed. Yeah, I think for, for firstly, just quickly on Sakarelia, it's the last podcast oh, was, yeah, that, that one too. Yeah. was mischievously titled about Saka leaving. And then we spoke in a little <laughs> bit, we spoke a little bit about him today. I just want to let the listeners know that we don't think he's going to leave. And we can say that with confidence for one of the first times because there's the environment in place where why would you want to leave? You know, and that's the first time we can say that in a long time. Right. So let's get that straight. So let's um, go into Martinelli. I think um, I saw those clips and. It's interesting Brazil played him from the left, and we are into debate if he's a centre forward or from the left. I, I do think he's really mastering that exterior role. I really do think he is, and he looks very comfortable receiving the ball all different ways. He's got different shapes, different moves, inside, outside. If he's allowed freedom to travel into the central area, we know he can deliver. And yeah, he's a, he looks very, very, very promising, doesn't he? And um, it's no, it's no, it's not. It's not a joke to get called up for Brazil as a 20-year-old when you're playing, you know, in England, etc. for a team outside the Champions League. You you must be on the um, on the path, right? You must be on their pathway. And um, they've got lots of exciting attacking midfielders playing across Europe that he was picked ahead of. And I think that's a real signal that, you know, he deserves a lot of credit for what he's done. I, it's so impressive. I mean, I wish Tim was here to go into more detail, but Tim's educated us, hasn't he? about where he was found, you know, playing way in the Capinha tournament, etc., and playing in the lower leagues versus in Brazil, how he was found, how he was basically mentored and tutored to get to this point, to live his life as a professional way beyond the level he was playing. Though his family must have really worked him out, his talent, and though he had a few trials at other clubs and didn't quite make it, I'm so glad that someone at Arsenal saw the potential in him. Because not only, again, much like Saka, not only, again, is he a wonderful football player, but he seems like a really decent person with his career motivations absolutely correct. And we know why he's here. He's here to play football and learn for Arsenal <laughs> Football Club. And I think that is something that I've always wanted players here with the correct motivations for being here. Because then he can build something and then he can confidently say, I don't think he's going anywhere in the short term. You know, so football's football, it's a business, but I just, you know, I'm so pleased to watch him develop, much like everybody listening. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's interesting how we get connected to certain players and why we get connected to certain players. But I think the the side result of that, Paul, unfortunately, is that sometimes I got my favorite and you've got your favorite. And so like I wind up not liking your favorite as much because I gotta defend my favorite. You know what I mean? And like yeah. here's the funny thing. You can think Gabriel Martinelli is going to be literally the best player in world football, but also so will Smith Rowe, but also so will, so will Bukayo Saka. Like, you should be able to love them all. I think because there's just this slight sort of rivalry that doesn't seem to exist in the team, but seems to exist among fans, like which one do you like best? Sometimes that that muddies our ability to just enjoy this, and I hope everybody really is just full full heartedly that's you know like wholeheartedly is obviously the word but cut me some slack i'm sitting here by the pool um wholeheartedly able to enjoy this and i think martinelli's 
Martinelli's rise, especially when maybe the knee injury had led to some questions about will he come back and be as good as he could be? Yeah, I think he can. And I do think, look, him getting his space in the Brazil team, him getting his his call up, like these are all important things too for his Arsenal future because it shows, hey, he may be playing Champions League football. Now he's playing for Brazil. The club's taking good care of him and he seems really happy there. Yeah. Um, look, um, what you got to remember with this, how fans re- relate to players is fans are idiots. All of us. Um, like these guys are brilliant. They love playing together. It's all good. They make each other better. The cooperation competition between Smithrow and Martinelli at the moment, uh, I don't think long-term they're actually going to be competing, keeping each other out of the team in the same way, but it's great for them. It actually takes pressure off them. They don't have to worry about how the world views them. They care what the manager thinks of them and what Smith Rowe can do that Martinelli can't and what tricks Martinelli can do that Smith Rowe can't. And they'll all be working on their game thinking, oh shit, that was, can I do that? I, I think I should be able to do that. Or if I can't do that, what have I got that that kind of gives me something special in my game? Uh, even if they're not competing directly with Sack, Sack on the other wing, they are. Uh because each one of them wants to be the guy that day that did the thing that broke it open. It's just fucking great. And it takes so much stress off them from looking at externalities while we're in this heavy run-in. The, the thing with Martinelli that I'm – here's what I'm surprised about with Martinelli. Not his talent. Um, maybe my concern was with the injury, as you talked about, would – how might that derail him and – he, we have done a really good job to get him to where I think we'd always hoped and dreamed he might be at this point in his career. But the thing that always worried me with him was Project Martinelli. All this talk about, mm-hmm. we've seen it before, right? <clears throat> with your Neymars, your your uh, Messies, and you can say, well, it, it kind of worked out for Messi. But I don't think Messi would have stayed at Arsenal um for any period kind of the project ronaldo even if it was all him and his entourage as opposed to his father but you look at martinelli with his father and like you hear all this stuff about how he's been working on martinelli and project martinelli for forever basically and that was my concern we get one of these guys you see your rafinha's and your richarlison's and like they're very talented players, and maybe you'd want them at your club. Maybe they're great, but like you're getting this whole other stuff that comes with them, this whole persona, uh, the chip on the shoulder, the kind of angriness. And now I don't know. Maybe it's working great at those clubs, and everybody's happy with it. But with Martinelli, you get none of that shit. Here's a guy who just a few weeks ago said, "I love being at Arsenal." I want to be here for the rest of my career if, if if that's how it can be. You know, love the coach, blah, blah, blah. It's just now, now things change over time and we're, we've all been around the block a few times. But that's exactly what you want to hear from a player at that age, even if in five, six years' time, for whatever reasons, other realities come to pass. And I'm just – I think it's a beautiful thing that his father is clearly not one of those people who's like so Machiavellian in his scheming that it's contaminated the boy. He might actually just be all about the boy having a great career and coming along. And and like, is there a player in our team and certainly around that age who is as switched on when we lose the ball as Martinelli? 
Like the moment he loses it, it's almost like he goes into his other mode of lost it, get it back immediately. Where do we think he got that from? Any chance it was his father standing on the touchline for the last decade in his ear after every game saying, you lost the ball and then you soaked and your head went down. That's not what we're doing here. And so I think there's a very virtuous relationship unlike we, we've we seen in, in other situations between father and son. One of the reasons Martinelli is the boy he is uh, on the pitch is the father. And I'm delighted that there seems to be a very... When you consider how much time he wasn't playing and he was out of the spotlight and he was held back and we were all worried that the father didn't... And through the agent didn't start troublemaking... Like, this is a very, very positive thing. Um, and there's nothing stronger than a, a young player with the right people around him to keep him on track. <clears throat> I think this is just a really good situation and we're benefiting from it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that comprehensively states pretty much everything I believe in. And that it is time for Paul to go. <clears throat> we're going to keep going for a little bit here, though. But Paul's on Twitter. Pause my pants. Thanks, Pause. Woohoo! Leave that browser open, my friend. Um, so, Clive, I'm curious with the uh, with the Martinelli thing. I mean, I know you've never cared for the player particularly, Stop which is you know, totally your product. <laughs> Here I go doing that thing again. Uh, no, um, no, I mean the the interesting thing, right, is that we. I think we tend to believe like, oh, your academy kids will love the club and stay with the club forever, and the foreign imports that you find don't have the same attachment. He does. He does say all the right things. You know, he did say he wants to end his career at Arsenal. He does seem to have a fantastic relationship with Arteta. But, like, I do think sometimes for fear of the future, we lose the present. And what I mean is that, like, Martinelli may leave. Saka may leave. Smith Rowe may leave. The world may actually just catch on fire and we stop playing football together. But for right now, what we have in this group is extraordinary. And what's great is we don't have to squint to see the future because it's happening right now. You know what I mean? Like this isn't a player who's going to be really good down the road. Like he's real good right now. And this, this group is really good right now. And and they could get better and they could go. And we, and we started talking about Pachavieri, didn't we? And that's probably where I learned the lesson not to fall in love with people too much because, you know, I, I love Vieira and it did bother me those rumors. And I thought, you know what, you gotta, you gotta look at football differently. And, you can't look at it through just individuals' eyes. And I, I, I love all the players, right? But I, I'm, I just cannot afford to get hung up on, on individuals. Otherwise, I just don't see it right. I'm watching games in a different way. I'm watching games protecting people or, or favouring people. And I don't want to do that. Uh, not just because uh, I don't want to do that full stock class. I don't want to see the game. But obviously, <laughs> when I come in the podcast, if I'm just talking about it based on how my player did, then what? no one's going to listen for too much longer, right? So, um, and so there is that as well. So, yeah, don't get too attached, I'm afraid. They're young men in the, going in their way in the world and anything can happen and lots of people talk. But we, we just, we can, we can afford to get a little bit attached to this group because we know they're just starting out, yeah, and their progression and, and that word ceiling is nowhere near reached yet. And we are just trying to think, well, how can we make sure this is the right environment for them? How can we make sure this is the right place for them to grow? And I think we're well on the way to doing that, which makes us someone even more interesting to see how we layer, where we layer, what positions that we really build upon, and what type of experience those are going to bring in to support them in a slightly different way. 
And we have room for that, given what's left the club recently and the age, ages of people that have left. We do have room to add a little bit more experience in there, which can take some of the burden away. Or maybe we underpin them with youth players. We, we don't know, but that's going to be the exciting thing to see the next layer of the, pro- of the project. But I say it, love them, but don't get too attached to them because it's just not the way it should be. And you end up opining on things in a way that's a little bit unbalanced. Mm. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's sort of start to wrap up. By the way, like, there's some breaking news that maybe Roman Abramovich was poisoned. Um, again, kind of more serious and unrelated to the Chris Rock slap thing, but like, I don't have anything to add on that right now. So I guess more news as it breaks, it is increasingly difficult to differentiate between what is Arsenal and football news and, you know, fun and what is madness and surreal. And I, I can't really distinguish the two and certainly not in real time as it's happening. So we'll, we'll set that aside for the time being. Um, yeah, crazy, right? Yeah, um, it just goes to the world, mate. It's 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 uh, it is something that's incredible at the moment. And if you think about our lives, even two three years ago, and what every one of us has gone through through the pandemic and coming out of that, now we have uh, the Russia situation. It's I tell you what, it's just incredible time, really. And I just can't wait for it to settle. But will it? You know, will it? I'm not so sure. We are just so much more exposed to world events in a way which we never have been in our past. And we can all see the whole world from our iPads. And it's um, it's a very interesting time, and I just hope people can cope with this. Right? It's, um, it's not an easy thing for people to deal with uh, on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, uh, well said. And I, I, I certainly couldn't put it any better, so I think we can leave it at that. Um, as a final thing, there's been some rumors of Real Madrid wanting um, Kieran Tierney. And it's so interesting, right? Because it comes at a time when Tierney's form is a bit up for debate. Uh, did score at uh, over this international break, I should mention. But, you know, it's interesting. There's some people that say, oh, if you get a proper center forward to cross the ball into, we'd be seeing the best of him. I'm not sure that we ever want that to be the way our attack functions, to be fair. And then that raises the question of, you know, what is his technical level in a more positional type system? I mean, no one's asking him to be Cancelo. That's very unique, obviously. And, Yet then you have your Trent Alexander-Arnolds of the world who are more really wide forward than fullback in some ways. But over at Liverpool, they have Robertson, who is you know maybe a little bit more of a defensive stalwart. So I, I think Tierney may be a bit misunderstood, and he's also had to adjust his game a bit with Shaka moving further up and Cedric coming in in the absence of Tomiyasu. So it, it is a little bit muddy. But in terms of Real Madrid coming in for him, there are a lot of people, I think, that would be tempted to say, well, Tavares deserves a shot. We can do better. And then I think there'd be other people that'd be devastated. I mean, he's, he is a beloved figure, certainly by a large portion of our Arsenal fan base. Where do you where do you follow this? I, one thing that I would say, Clive, is that like, I think in general, Arsenal have been scared to sell players who are good, but maybe not amazing when there's a good offer on the table, you know, and you can look at some players that we held on to too long in the face of good offers, um, where maybe we'd look back and say, well, that was, I mean, even like Alexis, right? We could have gotten 50 million for him in the summer. We wound up swapping him for Mkhitaryan in January. So there are times when you, you, you kind of have to be willing to make a change. I'm not sure I'd want to do it with Tierney at this point, but I'm curious where you'd, where you'd be on the spectrum of of loving or hating a move like that? Yeah, I, I wouldn't do it. Uh, I, I don't really rate the rumor. I know Carlo Ancelotti wanted him when he's at Everton, so people are putting two plus two together and saying that he'll want to 
I spent mm. 50 million on him now. I'm not so sure about that. They got a guy called Mendy at left back, I believe. I spent money on him. And so I'm not too sure of his situation and how well he's doing. I don't really believe it. And I, and I bring it back to Arsenal. And I think, okay, at this moment in time, we're trying to achieve something. We're talking a very low 40s number of games. Next year, hopefully, we're going to have 55 to all 60 games a season. And suddenly, we're going to need the quality of a Nuno and Chiarantini to get us through the season. And I think if you look at um, if you look at uh, Liverpool, for example, with Robertson and Timmy Gass, um, he's, a, he's a Greek lad they bought for 11 million. Um, good player. I think Tierney and Tavares is equally as good. You know, Tavares, I don't sleep on him. I think he's a real talent. And when he gets going, he's going to be a problem for somebody. Right? So, so yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with that level of depth. We need to get a similar depth on the right-hand side, in my opinion, and, and go from there. Again, get comfortable with having competition, get comfortable with people coming in and out. But we don't need to worry about Tina at the moment. I think he could be our captain next year, mate, couldn't he? Quite easily be our captain. And um, his, convers- it, yep. his conversation is a little bit mute if that happens. But... Hey, I'm, I'm again. It's you know what, Elliot. As we get better, I know there's a number of players went away in international duty this week. Maybe ten, eleven went away, and there's a number of players that are going to get people looking at them now. So we have to decide what sort of club are we going to be. Are we going to be a sort of club as soon as we get somebody good, we try to make twenty million off the back of them? Are we somebody that says, by the way, we're going top four? I'm not just going top four. We want to get a team and a squad that stays in the top four. If you want to have a team and a squad that stays in top four, I think Kieran is part of that. If I'm honest with you, and I think we've worked hard to get him to where he is now, and we've got a fantastic backup in place as well. So if he played ten games, I don't think anybody would worry. You know, once he got his feet under the table properly, and that's a great place to be. Right, so that's exactly where we need to be, and we need to be comfortable with that, because otherwise we will not be able to fight off the teams below us, like Villa, etc. And Leicester, once they wake themselves up again in the summer, we won't be able to fight them off and Spurs. And then we need to be capturing. We need to think about that City Liverpool gap and Chelsea gap. How can we close that? Chelsea, I don't think is too far away. Liverpool and City are just the best in Europe at the moment. So how can we get close to them? I don't think we get close to them by. Uh, selling Carantini, in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, with Champions League football, we're going to need a bigger squad. It doesn't get better getting smaller. But, like, this is the interesting thing, Clive, and we don't have to solve this right now, but if we feel, let's say Lacazette doesn't resign and we need two strikers and a number eight as at a minimum this summer, you can't get a much more expensive shopping list than that if we want quality that matches what we're putting on the pitch everywhere else, you know, you're not, you're not going to find any of those things at the level that we need for 5 million, 7 million, 11 million. You're going to be spending big. We turned a huge loss last summer. Obviously we're one of the biggest spenders in all of Europe. If someone came to you and said, the only way we could pull off that window is if we cash in on someone, there's no one I want to cash in on in this team. Like right now, you wouldn't want to break up any of it. Certainly not any of the young players up front. You wouldn't want to, you know, lose Thomas Party. I mean, you could say Shaka, but the, you know, the, the market for him is not going to be a big number. None of the center backs. I mean, I guess maybe you say, does someone want to give us forty million for William Saliba? We can come on to that. But like, if it was a case where you had to sell Kieran Tierney for fifty million or sixty million, if you could get a number like that, and that funds the two strikers and the number eight, it it makes it a harder decision. I'm not sure I want to do it, but I, I can definitely see how we could be put to a test 
yeah. because there's really no one else to shift. And that that's that's the interesting thing, right? You wouldn't want to block the development of the project, not getting one of the things we regard as crucial. But I also think just saying we'll go into next season with Tavares could be equally risky. So, no, I think know. there are, I think there are other priorities. So there's still some housekeeping to do, right? So you've got um, the situation with Bellerin. And Torreira, okay, Guendouzi just about gone. Mavropanos just about gone. Um, Mavropanos like, is gone, right? Didn't yeah, we? Didn't we I, take a few? I think he's. Mm-hmm. I think he's more or less done. I think the the clauses have been met. Who else is out on loan that we that we we got? Maitland Niles. You know, is going to go. Eddie's going to go. Lacazette's going to go. What's that? Seven, eight names. I think those things there create Lacazette. The, yeah, create the room in the squad. Aubameyang's just gone. Koscielny's just, sorry, Kos, um, He has just gone from... Kolasinic, sorry. <laughs> Kolasinic's just yeah. gone. I can um, forgive you for not remembering his name. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's been a lot of room made, a lot of wages saved in the squad. The payoffs are rolling off now. So we've, we've got some priorities to deal with first with, with those players before we start taking the crown jewels out, right? And... And then that, then we can see where we are from a squad building perspective, and uh, how much we got to spend from a, okay, I need to get some money to, to to pay fees versus how much money I've got for wage increases and for wages for new players. And we've created a room for wages without a doubt. Now it's about the fees we want to go for, and that's going to be driven by the type of players we want to go for in those particular roles, which you all know at centre forward and centre midfield. But it could some other roles as well, maybe a wide forward or maybe one more fallback. Again, depending on exits. And and also another thing, just to keep in the back of your mind, we, we, we're we not bad at the old youth development thing at the moment. And there are a number of youth players out there that could definitely fill some of this squad. Definitely. There's that Marcelo Flores who's coming through. There's Brooke Norton Cuffey who's coming through. Amari Hutchison that's really close. Chai Patino that's really close. The preseason for those lads is gonna be massive, absolutely yeah. massive, and I think big decisions ahead, Clive. Yeah, big, big, you know it's funny. It feels like the squad is so close to being complete in some ways, and yet, do we want to re-sign Lacazette? Do we want to entrust another round of youngsters to fill holes in the squad? Do we want to go? You know, we're gonna have to go big on a striker. That's a dangerous thing because you got to get it right, or if you don't, it can be a problem. Do you? Do you? You know, William Saliba. Like, if he's literally the only guy we can make real money on. You'd be hard pressed to explain why he would even want to stay. I mean, that that's an interesting situation because I think a lot of people believe, well, we're good now. He's good. He's in the France team. He can come back and compete for a place. But like, he's clearly not going to start ahead of Gabriel and White. And I just don't see a player in this point in his career with how it's going for him who's going to want to come back and say, yeah, I'll play. I'll start, you know, against the smaller Champions League teams or the bottom half teams and get you know twelve starts at Arsenal next season if I'm lucky. Like. That doesn't yeah. that doesn't strike me as realistic, and his his value is probably pretty high right now. Yeah, and that that could happen. I he's sort of um, back to relationship thing we talked about earlier. There's going to be a contract discussion to have right now, and if he's willing to sign that contract, he's willing to join the project, right? And in the project, he is our version of Canate at Liverpool. You know, they've got Matip and Van Dijk, and they've got Canate, right? And he's 22, I believe, a couple of years ahead of um, Saliba. So if he's willing to be the third centre-back in a Champions League team that's only going one way and you're part of it, then great. If you're not, well, your value is protected. You're now in the France squad as a 21-year-old. You are playing well. They've got teams in Spain. 
teams in the Premier League that are after you. We can get our money back and more. And so it's a decision. Either you're on the boat or you're not, right? But that's a business decision. If he signs a contract, absolutely fantastic. And he becomes our third centre-back. He can also play right back and we're like sorted. We're absolutely sorted. We can put people down. We can rest people. We can rotate. And if he gets in, he stays in. He gets in, someone else has got to wait. And that's how football works. So I hope he wants to join it. That's the most important thing for me. Ellie, you know my thing. Motivations have to be correct. How you walk through the door is really important. I have a worry about him, that the expectations on him, because we've waited so long to see him, he'll never be able to fulfil. One bad game we're going to worry about him, one good game we're going to say he should have been here the whole time, it's a referendum on the manager. I worry about expectation. I do, that bothers me a lot. And um, So yeah, let's see what happens there. I'm just, I'm, I've got this little nagging feeling. When something, there's a, there's a saying, time, time kills deals. And when it's taken this long to see him in the shirt, I've got this nagging feeling that we just might not see him in the shirt. But at least I know that the club won't be out of pocket anymore. It's up to the club and it's up to the players, up to the players' agent to be comfortable with his career path. And if they are, great. If they're not, we're all replaceable, mate. We're all replaceable. Yeah, I mean, look, there was a time when I was prepared to get, you will be surprised to hear, quite heated about a Saliba debate. Because I think last summer, there was a real debate about where to put the resources to maximize what we could be as a team when we had this very talented young center back who we were sending away. I think I've been proven probably pretty wrong on that because the guy we brought in has been a central part of what we're doing well. And you know whatever you think of value and things can be discussed and debated and look, it's still early, but it's working. Now I just think if you have an asset you can sell in a player who for one reason or another, wasn't your cup of tea before. I'm not sure why you'd bring him in to be a third choice. You know, and, and Rob Holding, for the record, when he comes in, uh, he he closes out games. Other teams aren't allowed to score, so I'm not sure we'd want to upset that apple cart either. But all these things will be decided. In the, so yeah, go ahead. It could be a bigger, you know, Rob Holding is 25, 26, part of our leadership group. Good He's young. that young? That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, very good player. He may say, He may be saying to himself, you know what? I need to be first team somewhere else now. I need to go and be the first guy, the guy, the first name on the team sheet and play every single Saturday. And so Sleeper at 21 potentially could be a rotation option. We bring in another guy to come in to be the full center back. And Rob Holding's the one that goes out and gets the minutes. Or he could say, well, actually, no, we need four center backs. We're, we're a European team again, 55 game season. And I know I'm going to get my games. So I'll stay. These things are all to be decided in the, in the end of season meetings that the manager will no doubt have. And my, my mind's are, my mind is open to all eventualities. I'm really not worried as long as people who are on board are on board with this. Because what we don't want is dissension. Because we've grown used to that word unity and we don't want to go back to the bad old days. All right, before we get out of here, I have to at least ask, do you have a strong opinion you feel you need to share on the Chris Rock slap thing, the, the Will Smith slap of Chris Rock, or can we, yeah, can we just thought, admit that there are people better positioned to, to make to make memes about that? <laughs> yeah, I just thought it's a bit it's a, it's a bit disappointing, really. I thought it was disappointing the whole thing, and um, I don't think if you can help it, you should ever you should be able to articulate articulate yourself without resorting to some form of violence. Do you know what I mean? That's how yeah. I feel generally. Um, 
And the fact it's done in front of the whole watching world just allows people to have perceptions on you that I think, no matter what you say, you, you've lost control for a short period of time. And I know we all get provoked, but I, I find that disappointing. And there's no right or wrong in this sort of thing. I just find it disappointing. But we're all human beings, aren't we? We're all human beings, so none of us are perfect. I've got such a dad response, Clive, which is that, like, kids look up to these people, man. And like, you know, there's going to be a million little kids running around slapping their brother or their sister or their friend or something, thinking that it's mm. ha funny. Like, and you know, that, that's the shame of it. But he's, like, he's become internalized in his thoughts about something in front of the watching world. You can't afford to internalize like that. You can't. And, um, you have to hold on to yourself, right? You have to, but Hey, look, we don't know the whole story. There could be something more to it. And I'd rather leave it, it exactly been a setup, where it is. is. Yeah. Look, th- the reality is I, I really don't want to be the old guy who can't just laugh at this. And look, I, I promise I'll read all the memes and laugh at it. I just, there is, I'm kind of with Clive, like the whole thing is just kind of unfortunate. Like you'd rather it not happen. I will say that like, look, uh, Will Smith played Muhammad Ali. Will Smith is a big man. And Chris Rock is lucky he went finger slap. Yeah. That could have ended real bad for him. Also, Will Smith you know? has just won an Oscar after been acting for 30 years, the biggest night of his career, and yeah. no one's talking about it. That's kind of overshadowed it. Yeah, yeah no. but I mean, you know, no publicity is bad publicity, I guess, is is how he's going to look at that. I would, I don't know, he's apologized or whatnot. But the good news is no one's pressing charges, thank God. You know, um, Look, I want to have a take. I really do. I want to have a good meme. I want to have a good day. Let it go. I don't have one. Yeah, I just, you know, I I don't know. I mean, I agree with you. Look, I have always lived by the motto that I can run faster scared than you can run angry. So I am a, I am not a, uh, I am not a violence, I'm not a violence positive, pro-violence kind of person. I am a pro-running away kind of person. So it did, yeah, it did not connect with me in a positive way. But that, look, we're doing our best. I know people want to hear what we got to say on it. You're going to have to tune in to, to meme specialists for that one. We'll, we'll do better in the future. Clive's on Twitter at Clive PFC. Thanks, man. Thank you very much. Predictatron coming up this week. We were going to do a, a video spotlight of some of our own players. Now there's some clamor to do a Darwin Nunez scouting video so we can end that rumor quickly. We'll have to figure out which one we're going to do, but we're going to do some of it. we got a new Patreon feature coming out that I'm excited about that will feature um, the guys that you like the most on the podcast, which is all the other guys, um, getting their say in an uninterrupted fashion. Imagine that. So all that coming up, that was Clive's good idea, and we'll have more on that later. And remember, next Monday, our most important episode of the year. You don't want to miss that. So uh, my name is Elliot Smith, the Combat Mentor, Yankee Gunner. Hope you're enjoying the interlow a little bit. Arsenal will be back, sadly, not until Monday. Cannot wait, cannot wait. Miss it so much. And we love you, and we will talk to you after Arsenal 10, pals. Nope.